Well, hello there, happy innovators. Here we go. Got some talking to do today. A couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, I guess first off in this podcast, I want to explain that recently um, I have lost a friend, um, a good friend of mine from many, many years ago. Uh, turns out that she has passed away from cancer. And uh, she's somebody that I've talked about before on the Singularity podcast, uh, maybe right when I first started doing the Singularity, um, her and I had reconnected after many, many years, probably about 10 or 15 or even 20 years of uh, being out of communication with each other, uh, we found each other again. And... Uh, she was a really good friend of mine, somebody I cared a great deal about. And, uh, you know, um, even though we had reconnected and everything, you know, we kind of touched base. We uh, caught up with each other, kind of where we were in life and everything. And then we kind of drifted a little bit again, which is okay. That's a natural thing. But um, I was a little bit disappointed because I had found out that she had passed away from my brother. And the reason I was disappointed was because I would have assumed, right, that if Brenda, this friend of mine, Brenda, um, you know, if uh, she were sick or something, that she would have contacted me and told me. I'm still kind of mystified as to why she didn't do that. Maybe, you know, it was... Uh, the kind of thing that was just too horrible to talk about or maybe she was embarrassed or maybe she just I don't know maybe she just wanted it to be private but I gotta say I'm, I'm mourning the loss of this friend of mine you know we were you know good friends uh, you know when I was first starting out in the music thing she was instrumental in a lot of my development, you know, she was the owner of a rock and roll magazine in my city. You know, she ran it and uh, she helped me out a lot. And we were just really close friends, went to a lot of shows together. I even did some reviews for her magazine and she was just a really good friend. She went with me to South by Southwest, you know, uh, and even though we were really good friends and even though... Uh, we were good friends for a very long time. We were never romantically involved. Okay, that never happened. Um, and that doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Um, I just feel I feel really bad. I feel really bad. I gotta say, I'm I'm grieving the loss of this friend. And I think because of this information that I got that she had passed away and I'm kind of, you know, processing it and everything. I kind of slipped into a little bit of like a slump, like a creative slump. And, um, you know, I was all stoked and excited about my new music and everything. And then, you know, I got some news like this, you know, that Brenda had died, kind of just kind of slipped away, you know, um, without any goodbye or without any warning or a chance to talk to her, maybe a chance to see her in person one last time. Um, you know, I wasn't afforded that. 
And, um, you know, it just kind of sent me into this little bit of a spiral. Not, not enough to stop me in my tracks and, you know, but uh, enough to affect me and enough for me to be in this state that I've been in for, oh, probably about two weeks or three weeks now since I found out that, you know, it's sad when people die, you know, it's sad when people die. Yeah, that's, you know, common sense, but, you know, it's the truth. You know, it's the truth. It's just sad when people die. And especially when you don't really have a chance to say goodbye. Now, I can say this, that the last time I spoke to her, which was via like Facebook or some other social media thing like Twitter or something, I forget. I think it was Facebook. Um, the conversation was weird and she was kind of coming at me like a remember when and what could have been, um, you know, she was single and I think she was a bit lonely. Like the last time I talked to her, you know, when I reconnected with her, I got the impression that she was lonely. Um, and of course I'm in a situation where I'm married happily married and uh, I could tell that she kind of well she actually said it really she kind of told me you know that she wished that our relationship had gone a different way like now you know in hindsight she wished that you know the situation between her and I would have become romantic and that you know we would have what gotten married or something you know and um, that didn't happen you know so the last conversation we had was along those lines and I thought that was kind of a little bit strange that she was kind of you know rehashing this sentiment that she was kind of coming at me with like when we first reconnected you know, we first started to get into conversations again and, and reminisce about the time that we spent together and all the different things we did. She was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, it could have been so different. I wish that it were and blah, blah, blah. But it was too late. You know, it's many years later. I'm married and, you know, it's sad, but, you know, <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know. And so, like I said, the last conversation we had was once again along those lines and I thought that was a little strange I thought okay it sounds kind of like a goodbye you know this sounds like kind of like a goodbye and so maybe she knew you know when I talked to her last that she was sick and that you know she was in serious trouble with her health so uh, hats off to Brenda you know somebody that I loved a good friend funny, you know, really funny and uh, quirky and uh, eccentric in a lot of ways, uh, very normal in a lot of ways, very cute, very pretty, a um, little bit of a numbskull sometimes, you know, but that's why I loved her. She was, she wasn't perfect, you know, she was flawed and she had her idiosyncrasies just like me. And uh, we were both able to kind of see past that and, you know, forge a strong enough friendship where even though we had, hadn't spoken for 20 years, we were able to reconnect and pick up right where we left off. No problem. And uh, 
So I'm I'm mourning the loss of my friend, and I suppose I will be kind of uh, simmering in this emotion for a little while because, uh, you know, it's not like when my grandpa died or, you know, it's not like when somebody I knew vaguely or something died. It's different when it's somebody that you know, you know, intimately. And when I say intimately, I don't mean sexually. I mean, you know, I knew her true thoughts and the things that were deep inside of her and vice versa. You know, we had an exchange like that. Our relationship had evolved to that. So, you know, and yes, you know, she was somebody that I loved, you know, and I guess it can be said here that when I love someone, okay, when I, me, when I love someone and I commit to that, you know, uh, emotionally, when I commit to someone emotionally, it's forever. Okay, it doesn't matter what they say or do, doesn't matter where they go or what they think or whatever. You know, that love is unconditional and this friend of mine, this sweet, gentle lady, funny, goofy lady, good friend, you know, a lot of great memories, this person, well, she kind of slipped away, you know, she slipped away. Now she's a memory and I'm contending with that as I speak, you know. So... I guess on a more happier note, you know, now that I've paid tribute to this friend of mine, I guess I can say this too. I'll dedicate this podcast today to Brenda, my dear, dear friend that is now gone. So close the book, right? Move on. I got to tell you, crazy, crazy times. I think, you know... With the past few podcasts that I've done, (laughs) the situation in America right now just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder with every month that passes. I mean, I'm normally not a very political person. I don't really care about politics, really at all. I mean, I suppose I care about politics to like a level of like a sport, you know, a spectator, because I don't participate in politics. I don't really care. But the situation is so strange and so dire right now in America that I can't ignore it. I have to pay attention. Um, things are that weird, you know? And, uh, I gotta tell you, I have opinions, you know, I see what's happening, even though I'm a centrist, even though I stay out of the political realm, I see and hear things that I have to react to, and uh, as usual, my reaction is, you know, probably not like anyone else's, you know, Um, I guess I can start by saying this, okay? Um, America is an experiment, okay? It's what the framers of the Constitution of the United States 
intended it to be. Okay? It's a country that is always in a state of becoming. That's the idea. That's what makes America different than any other country on the planet. So the idea, okay, at least according to my understanding of American history and, you know, what we're supposed to be doing here is that when there is an issue that arises, okay, and it could be any issue in America, the republic, the democracy of America, okay, the idea is that because America is in a constant state of becoming, your issue, your disagreement that you feel needs to change, your policy that you want to see enacted, uh, the social change you want, okay, it will happen, okay, and it can happen in America, but it's not going to happen quickly, and it's not going to happen easily. It's going to require a struggle, and not just from one generation, but from multiple generations, okay? But the good news is, is that in the end, it can change, okay? And it will change, and it has changed. You can't deny it. Now, right now in America, civil rights and Black Lives Matter and all those things are a really hot issue right now, okay? And I've already talked about this stuff before, but I'll encapsulate it for you as much as I can, uh, condense it down to the basics so that we can get past this. But um, I do believe, okay, I do believe from my personal experiences that systematic racism does exist. I believe that, okay? But I don't think that it is... Uh, exclusive to America, okay? It is in America, I believe, but it's not exclusive to America. You can go into any culture in any country wherever there's more than one culture trying to coexist, there will always be a portion of that, that population that are not going to jive with, you know, the other group of people. It's just human nature. I believe that. Can it change? Yes. Has it changed? Yes. Um, You know, with the story of the black man, the black community in America, you have to go back to slavery. You know, the time of slavery. And they're probably, really, the best example of how the framers have intended change to come, okay? Because it started a long time ago, you know? Um, So we go back to the American Civil War, which is still, you know, a very relevant topic, like right now, because what we're seeing play out in America right now is the extension of that change. We're seeing how that change can happen and does happen in America because 
I was born in 1971. And let me tell you, okay, for the most part, okay, racism, by the time I was a kid and old enough to know what was going on, at least have an idea of what was going on, racism was unacceptable, okay? It was something that had become unacceptable because of the civil rights movement, because of all that change that started in the 1960s. Now, that's not to say that, you know, this whiff of racism didn't exist anymore. I I believe it does. I know I had experiences when I was younger with friends of mine and maybe in their household, uh, something like racism wasn't looked down on as much as it was in my house. But let me tell you, my father... Uh, would get angry, you know, anytime that kind of thing was talked about or whatever. He wanted nothing to do with racism. It didn't have a place in our house, okay? Because my father worked with many black men, and they were friends of his, and he would not stand for any of that kind of talk, not even jokes, you know? And that was the kind of change I'm talking about. Now, did it mean it went away permanently? No. Was it completely gone? No. It wasn't meant to be because the struggle wasn't over yet. But you fast forward to now. Okay? And I get it. Okay? I get why people are upset. I understand it. Because I can understand both sides of any argument. Right? And as far as I know, that's a sign of intelligence. Right, Being able to see two groups of people that disagree with each other and being able to see both sides of that argument. Whether you agree with both sides is not important. What is important is that you can see both sides, right? Even if you disagree. And man, let me tell you something. That is the problem, I think, with what I'm seeing right now. Now, nobody asked me what I thought. And nobody probably really cares what my opinion is. But like I say all the time, this is a podcast that's not necessarily concerned about that kind of stuff. Because if you've been listening to anything I've said over the past couple of years, you know, okay, you know that I'm a centrist. I'm not political. I am an apolitical person. I gave up on it. I don't care. It's a spectator sport. It's hockey, you know, it's a game to me. But what I'm seeing right now, I got to tell you, it's a bit worrisome. Why is it worrisome? Because what I see is this extreme polarization, okay? It's so extreme. And as far as I can tell, and I got a couple of experiences I can talk about, and I'm going to today, um, I don't see any kind of understanding from either side of this situation. The whole COVID thing, the protest thing, the riots, the looting, uh, all of it, all the stuff. I just, I see America split in the middle. You know, there's, there are two sides and then there's also though, and I guess I should say this is there's also this group of people who at least I believe are in the middle and I'm one of them and I I'm not so passionate about 
any issue that I would refuse to even listen to someone else who disagrees with me. I think it's absolutely foolish to adopt that kind of attitude. You know, it gets nowhere. It gets us nowhere when dialogue cannot be free and open and you can't be empathetic to the other side's position. You know, you lack the neurological ability to make the connection of empathy and understanding. You may disagree, and that's okay. But can you see where they're coming from? And do you understand it? And I gotta say, standing in the middle here, I see both sides. And I see a whole lot of, I don't know what the word is. I guess the word would be arrogance. You know, arrogance. Arrogance. Maybe the wrong word, but I don't think so. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you a little story here, but an experience I had just a couple days ago. Okay. Uh, I had gone to the store to buy some guitar strings. And like every other time I've gone to any music store, okay, because I've been doing this for like, I've been going to music stores forever, okay, and I've been a musician forever. And every time I go into a music store, I actually did a podcast about this back in the snowflake days called the pissing contest. If you ever want to go back and listen, you probably get a good laugh out of it. But I had another one of those experiences. It happens every time I go to a music store. You know, I'll be talking to the clerk, right? And I get this exchange. And no matter how amicable I try to be, no matter how humble and solemn I try to be when talking about music or anything like that with this clerk, you know, it always, always devolves into this pissing contest where it's comparing who did what and who's more successful or who's better, you know? And I couldn't care less, you know? But damn it, every time I go into a music store, here we go. It just is like, I don't understand it. It's some kind of, I don't know, what is it? Some kind of like neurological problem or something or some kind of self-esteem issue, you know, where this person, said person from any music store that I've ever gone into, okay, um, you know, we, we slip into this bullshit conversation and I can't stand it. Now, this happened just a couple days ago, okay, again, for like the 500 millionth time in my life, but what made this different was... We started to kind of slide into politics a little bit. Now, I'm not a very wise man, but I try, you know, and I have enough wisdom to know that there's a couple of things you really shouldn't talk about. I mean, it's a cliche by now, but it's true. There are a couple of things if you want to avoid conflict or any kind of, you know, offending someone or something, there's certain things you don't talk about, you know, religion and politics, right? And I'm aware of that, and I normally practice that, but here we go. You know, we're sliding into this conversation, and I kind of expressed my point of view, okay? 
Now, I'm in a music store, so I think it would be all right to assume, okay, that the person behind the counter is probably not a conservative Republican, okay? That's probably like a logical assumption, okay? And in this case, it was a correct assumption, okay? The, the person I was talking to was, you know, pro- probably, okay, a far left, extreme left type of person. And I'm this guy standing in the middle. So, you know, the conversation starts to go and you know it when you hear it and you just know the mood in the room changes, right? Um, I'm talking to a person. I'm talking logical, rational thoughts to a person who, as far as I can tell, was really incapable of having that conversation. And... It took me aback a little bit. I gotta say, at first, when I kind of realized I am now about to engage in this conversation with this person, oh man, you know. And let me tell you, uh, <laughs> for anybody that knows me at all, okay, they would all say, everyone I know, have ever known, would say that I'm not a hothead. Okay, I'm not the kind of person who gets angry very easily. Okay, I might get like, you know, pissed off or something, but I won't say anything. I won't do anything. I won't act out, you know, but there's one thing that I cannot stand. It's the one thing that can instantaneously send me to that place where I'm fighting mad. Okay, like I'm angry enough to actually physically fight. Okay, and that thing that I cannot stand, the one thing I cannot tolerate is arrogance. Okay, I can't stand it. It's like, it's like lighting the fuse on dynamite. You know, as soon as I'm in a conversation or I'm around a conversation where there's a whiff of arrogance in it, oh man, clear a path because I start to get pretty pissed off pretty quick, right? Well, this clerk behind the desk, you know, starts giving me, well, you know, this arrogant kind of attitude, okay? Not because what I said was offensive, because I'll tell you, you know what I said? This is what I said. You ready? I said, I hate how the media is just doing everything they can to tear down Donald Trump. They did the same thing to Obama, and it drove me crazy. Like, I want nothing to do with it. And she says to me, this clerk behind the desk says to me, Well, Michael, I don't remember any time when people were talking like that about Obama. Like, there weren't that many people that disliked President Obama. And I looked at her like, you're out of your mind. Like, I don't know what world you're living in, but I remember when President Obama was elected. And there were a lot of people who were really upset about that. And I knew why. You know, I got it. I didn't agree with it, 
and I thought, you know, just leave the guy alone and let him do the damn job. You know, let him run the country. Like, why distract him? Why try to, you know, get in the way? Just, he got elected. Let him do his job. You know, and if he sucks at it, then don't elect him again. You know? But he served two terms. He did all right. He managed to navigate through all the BS and all the comments and the, you know, all, all the stuff they do. They just, they throw everything at these guys, you know, and they're doing the same thing now. And is Donald Trump perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's flawed, just like Obama was. You know, it's like, but they cannot, these people, this person I'm talking to, who, in my opinion, represents, you know, a pretty good-sized wedge of the pie of society. It's one person, but, you know, she's the face of a larger group of people, right, who believe that, you know, Donald Trump can do nothing good and it's all bad. And it's like, you know what? It's not true. That's false. It's not true. It's inaccurate. And it was false when they said the same things about any other president. You know? That's how I feel. But let me tell you, the arrogance, the arrogant tone coming out of this person at me. Somebody she didn't know. You know? Cocky and arrogant. Like, she would now teach me. You know? Like, my opinion was so ill-informed and invalid that she would now sit me down and instruct me on what my opinion should be. Now, I listened. I didn't say anything nasty. I didn't blow my top. I didn't flip out and start kicking ass or something. I didn't do that. I didn't lash out and yell. But I did walk away from that conversation with this really distinct understanding that we are really kind of living in a time where people are so polarized and so into their belief systems that they can't understand the other side of the argument. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're in an argument with someone and you cannot at least understand their argument and where they're coming from and how they got there and why they feel the way they do, then you're the idiot. You're the idiot. You should be able to at least understand it, even if you disagree. Now, you know, I hate doing a political themed podcast, but this stuff is so front and center right now. I mean, it is getting crammed down our throats constantly all the time. And I can't avoid talking about it. It would be insincere, dishonest, and stupid to not talk about it at least a little bit. And in this case, I'm talking a lot about it today because I'm having these experiences that I can't avoid. I can't pretend didn't happen. I'm seeing things happen that I can't just pretend are not happening. I can't do it. I have to I have to be honest about it and say what I think. And let me tell you, a perfect example of this is this whole idea, okay, 
of tearing down the statues in the South, like in America, the below the Mason-Dixon line. These statues of Civil War heroes from the South that now, in the wake of all this protesting and uh, the death of this this black man who was murdered by the police again, you know, another story of it, you know, um, it just, you know, it just went bullshit. It just went crazy in America, you know, and in the wake of all this protesting and all that stuff, subsequently, you know, it leads to this idea of starting to remove the statues of civil war heroes you know, from the public square, like literally tearing them down. Okay. Uh, uh, tearing down the symbol. Okay. Cause I can understand that it's a symbol to a lot of people of some pretty negative stuff. Okay. I get that. I'm from the North, <laughs> you know, I get it. Yeah, I do. Um, the problem is, and I think that this is probably an angle that not too many other people are looking at this situation from because they're, you know, they're going into these groups of people are going into the public spaces where these statues are and they're literally tearing them down, tearing them apart and destroying them. Okay. Now my argument is this, like I, okay. I understand that it is a symbol. Okay. And it's a negative one for a lot of people that they're, they're offended by that. I get that. It makes sense. And I understand that they probably, you know, we, we've arrived at a time in America where we're probably ready to put a lot of that stuff away. Okay. Like it, we're, we're all kind of, at least for the most part, can understand that maybe it's not something that should be in the public space anymore like that. Okay. I understand that. I don't think it matters that much, but I get why other people would feel that way. So my point is this, you shouldn't destroy the statues. Okay. Why not? Well, I'll tell you why, because they're sculptures, they're art. Okay. And they have meaning. You may not agree with the meaning. Okay. It may offend you. Okay. So we'll loosen the statue up from its foundation. We'll pop the bolts out and we'll crack the cement and we'll lift it up and we'll put it in a museum. Okay. Because think about it. Okay. Yes. It is a symbol of something that offends people, but at the time that it was made, now think about this as an artist. Okay. Because you know, I'm an artist. It's a sculpture. They had to commission somebody to do that sculpture. And, you know, it was going to go in the public square. It was going to honor somebody that they honored and cherished or something. Right. So they're not just going to hire your average Joe to make a sculpture. I mean, they're going to find the best person, the best sculptor. They're going to commission the work. The sculptor is going to make a maquette, show them different versions of it. I mean, the whole process of making a sculpture, you know, it's difficult work to do. 
and to do it well. So the person that made that statue that you're offended by was still an artist and it's still art. And it has a different meaning now. You don't tear it down. You don't destroy the work. You destroy the ideology, not the work. Put the work in a museum, you know? That's my point. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong to tear those statues down and destroy them. It's wrong. It's a bad idea. Short-sighted. It's not the statue you hate, it's the ideology. But the statue is still a work of art. It was difficult to do, and it was probably really expensive. You know? A lot of hours of time and thought went into that. And for someone to come along and just destroy it, because they don't, like, agree or something, they get to decide for everybody else? A small group of people? They get, to, they get to decide for everyone? I don't think so. I don't think so. Something wrong there. You know, there's a statue, a very famous statue. It's called The Thinker. And if you don't know what The Thinker is, then I can't help you. But let's assume, for the sake of this conversation, that you understand. The Thinker, a famous statue by Rodin, famous sculptor. He made three versions of The Thinker. Okay, there are three statues that are almost exactly the same, made by the same artist, and they were given to three different locations. Okay? One of the locations of one of those three was in front of the Cleveland Museum of Art, the city where I grew up. Can't tell you how many times I went to that art museum in my lifetime, you know? And outside in the front of this building is the statue of the thinker. Now, the statue became famous by itself because back in the 60s or 70s or something, when there was some kind of political turmoil over something from someone, somebody put a bomb like on the statue, okay, in hopes that when the bomb detonated, it would destroy the statue, like obliterate it, like disintegrated, right? There would be nothing left. But what happened instead was the statue became disfigured. Okay? So it was no longer this, you know, traditional lifelike statue of the thinker. It was like this abstract piece of art, you know, with metal fanning out. Like it wasn't even, uh, you know, it wasn't destroyed. It was still a statue. It just looked like modern art, you know, like this explosion on the statue did not destroy it completely. Now, wouldn't it have been stupid? Like, it would be so stupid if they would have said, oh, well, the statue is ruined now. Let's, like, take it down and throw it away because it's not the thinker anymore. You know, that's so stupid and short-sighted. It was art in a public space. Somebody damaged it. Somebody took it upon themselves, decided for everyone else that we shouldn't see that statue there anymore. And now it's this piece of abstract art that they left there. And they should leave it there. They shouldn't throw it away. 
it's still the thinker. Now it has a story attached to it. Why does it look that way? Here's the story. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the story of America. Don't you get it? Don't you see? It's like when you put art in a public space like that, it becomes part of the public's. It becomes part of the public. The public owns it. Okay, it's in the public domain. So whatever happens, if it gets graffitied or whatever, it's part of the story. You know? It's like Jim Morrison's grave, you know, in Paris. The cemetery that he's in, they put a bust of him on the grave. And so many people came and they altered that statue. It would be stupid to tear that down because, yes, it's graffitied, it's covered in things. That's the point. People cared enough about Jim Morrison to go to his grave in Paris from all over the world and, you know, write their name on it, you know? And there's like millions of names on it now. It's like, I mean, people taking a piece of it and it becomes part of the public, the the public's ownership, you know? Is it wrong to desecrate things like that? I think so, yes. Would I do it? No, I wouldn't do it. Leave it, let it be. But there's other people who think differently. And they're in the public space with me. So they do what they do and I do what I do. I believe what I believe and they believe what they believe. And that's how it should be. You know? I mean, really, when it comes down to brass tacks, really? I don't care what you do. Like in your house or something. Like, I don't care. You know, when we're in the public space, it's different. Because I'm there too. So you got to kind of, you know... Your rights stop where mine start, and vice versa. We got to kind of live that way. But, you know, I think that, I don't know, just in my opinion, I think there are more people probably in the middle that just want to survive. You know, they're just, they're trying to make it. They're trying to keep the refrigerator full, you know, gas in the car. You know, they're trying to get to work on time and, you know, trying to live and survive and have some fun and love their families and, you know, all those things. We're all the same that way. Maybe not all of us, but most of us, I think, are. And most of us, you know what? We don't want any trouble. We don't want any problems, right? Life is hard enough on both sides of the aisle. Life is hard enough, right? I think it is. Nobody wants trouble. And if you're one of those people who's kind of like looking for trouble... Let me tell you something. I've lived enough life to know. If you walk around looking for trouble, you'll find it. You'll find it. And I got to say, you know, as calm and rational as I am and as peaceable as I am and understanding as I try to be, you know, the situation talking to this clerk in the store and that arrogance, that wave of arrogance that was being thrown in my face... It was enough to get me fighting mad. And if that can happen, whoa, I had to kind of like check myself. Like, wow, I can't believe how pissed off I'm getting. I should probably leave now. And I did. You know, and I did. But what if I didn't have a cool head? You know, what if I was a complete idiot? And I just, you know, 
refused to have any understanding of this, the other side or the other opinion. Like, come on, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Nothing, nothing, nothing will change. Nothing will change if, if you can't at least have an understanding between people. You have an opinion, I have an opinion, and I will hear you. I will hear you. I may not agree, but I will hear you. I will listen, and I will try, because I owe that to you. You know, I've lived enough life to know that I owe that to you. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're smart. I don't care if you're stupid. I don't care if you're rich or poor. I don't care if you're black or white. I don't care. I don't care. I will hear you. I will listen. And I will try to understand. And man, I really fear. I fear. That's the word. Fear. I fear we are living in a time where that kind of thinking, you know, empathy understanding you know but disagreement you know respectful disagreement is going the way of the dodo bird I fear that I fear that I hope I hope in my heart I hope okay that there are more people like me that we outnumber the right and the left we're in the middle we just want to live and survive and make it to the next day you know and uh, maybe have some fun. Maybe have a laugh or two. You know? I guess that's where I'll leave this podcast for now. I'm sure I could probably talk for another two hours about it, but... You know what? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't care about it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what you do. You know? I don't care. I want you to have your autonomy. I want you to have your privacy. I want you to live the life that you want to live. And I want you to want me to live the life I want to live. Is that too much to ask? I don't think so. I don't think so. A little bit of mutual respect can go a very long way. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, my happy innovators, We are living in a time when mutual respect is being thrown out the window and it's being thrown away and discarded and it's at our peril that that's happening. Now, nobody said, hey, Mike, what's your opinion, you know? And who gives a shit what I think or what I say? I know. Probably nobody, and that's fine, too. That's fine. I can understand that. But you got to agree with me. We live in some pretty strange times. And, you know, when everybody is shouting, when tempers boil, common sense evaporates. Think about it. Think about it. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you got to give it away. Take it easy. God bless America.
All right, happy innovators. I got a song for you in lieu of this spirited discussion I had today. I want to end it with, I want to punctuate it with a song I wrote a long time ago called Love. It's one of my more popular songs. And I think that it's appropriate to end this podcast with that song. So chin up. Hope I didn't offend anybody with my opinions, my thoughts. Uh, Not entirely sure it was, you know, articulated as good as it could have been. But uh, I'm sure you understand my sentiment. I'm neither Democrat nor Republican. I'm smack dab in the middle. And I'm saddened by what I'm seeing and a little bit worried, too. So, here. Here's a song called Love. Peace and Love, (laughs) right? Peace and Love, man. Peace and Love, my happy innovators. Hang in there. Strange times. Strange times.
Oh